What did you guys eat for breakfast? We ate uh, oatmeal. Oatmeal and a little piece of bacon, a couple pieces of bacon. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you will find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. This is episode 25 of Music on Your Own Terms, and I'm talking to T.D. Benton of White Color Sideshow. You'll hear about the band's history, life on the road, and T.D.'s struggles with mental health over the years and what he's doing to stay mindful today. T.D. talks about his religion and the part it plays in his music and life in general. So, full disclosure, I'm not religious, which I'm sure I've mentioned before in the podcast, but in today's divisive society, I think it's more important than ever to discuss our ideas and experiences with people from as many different backgrounds as possible. And with this podcast in particular, I will continue to do that using music and mental health as subjects that connect our musical community together. So with that, please enjoy the episode. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. I'm joined today by TD and Veronica from the Arkansas band uh, White Color Sideshow. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm doing great. Veronica's actually cooking right now, so we have a day off. Oh. In, uh, we're in a Walmart parking lot this evening in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, we had an evening off yesterday and our first real day off today, which we've been catching up on sleep. So uh, mm -hmm. we're trying to. We drove most of the day. <laughs> so uh, right. so today it's just uh, Veronica cooks in the RV, so she's cooking us our dinner. And um, mm -hmm. and then we'll probably, uh, she'll probably work on the computer till five in the morning. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, yeah, anyway, that's it's, we're doing great, man. It's good to see you, Simon. Cool. Yeah, you as well. Um, so, yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, talk to me today. 
Um, I don't know if you want to start off just giving a background about, you know, the band and, and what you guys sound like and what you do. Yeah, we, um, let's see, Why Collar Sideshow, we've been a band for 13 years. We've been on the road basically 11 years. Uh, we've been mm-hmm. living in a, some form of a vehicle for that long. Back in 06, we sold everything we owned, uh, moved out on the road in 08, and um, yeah, this is our third album we just put out, and we, uh, it's doing well, like, it's been an interesting life. We were a three-piece for the longest time, we were two drummers mm-hmm. and a bass, uh, my son actually performed with us as well, so sometimes we were four-piece, and um, okay. and yeah, so now it's just Veronica and I, bass and drums, both vocals live, the computer does everything else. And we have mm-hmm. film that goes with us, so it's uh, kind of like this multimedia extravaganza spectacle. Spent two and a half years awesome. filming everything. I studied Twilight Zone and kind of has a Sin City feel to it. Um, yep. And then other than that, like the style of music, we call it shock and roll. It's just a mashup of a lot of our influences where we have uh, old country, metal, punk, heavy rock. I don't know what else you can say. Industrial. And uh, sure. And we've kind of created our own identity through this so um mm-hmm. so it's working right absolutely yeah it's i mean it's, it's a i think it's a very polished product i mean i i wish a lot more bands would do a bit more visual thing live because you know so many times you see that see people just playing their music and there's no visual aspect and it's kind of forgettable even you know no matter how good the band is and how good the songs are you just we're like the the whole um you know, success of Instagram and how good you, how, how much traction you can get on Instagram proves that we're visual species. You need something to look at as well as listen to. So, yeah, I yeah, totally great. agree. I, I, you know, I've always been a fan of like uh, Nine Inch Nails, White Zombie, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Like, oh, yeah, I absolutely. Mean, super cool. Queensryche was another one of those that had uh, concept albums. And um, so I feel like with us, the visuals, definitely i don't want to say make us stand out i feel like it makes us uh, more unique in a lot of settings and, mm-hmm. and i feel like that's exactly what you said it makes it um uh memorable so to say absolutely and you also um as well as shock and roll you kind of uh call it sp- a space western <laughs> yeah we we kind of made the you know it's kind of going with an old western theme i added a lot mm-hmm. of country to what we did or tried to add some hooks in there and um of course we love you know old country music hank the third is also one of my influences and uh, mm-hmm. and so we tried to add you know we had this spacey sound and then adding that space that western style to it we just start calling them space westerns man they just uh it's groovy <laughs> that's awesome oh cool um so let's uh let's go back and and how how did you guys get started in music in the first place? What's your like history of where you came from? Well, I started playing drums uh, 1986. Man, I was 12 years old. Of course, I all have always loved the music, even from the days of the Beach Boys, uh, Southern Rock. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, hair metal in the 80s, and then going into your grunge days. You know, I was kind of there for that decade, and uh, so. Basically, I've been influenced by so many different things, um, but really, like musically, you know, I think a lot of the like Tommy Lee was probably one of my big influences. Lars Ulrich from Metallica, 
you know, and then you're mm-hmm. getting into your Rage Against the Machines with Brad Wilk and then Corn and, you know, all these different elements of um, styles. And then going back and listening to Old Country and Hank, you know, all mm-hmm. these different things uh, have helped shaped and formed me to what we're doing today. But man, I played in a, a few different bands. I played in a band called Bloodshot Eye for about four or five years. And um, it was very progressive, kind of uh, an Iron Maiden style. And, uh, nice. you know, you had seven minute songs and loved it. it. You know, cut my teeth with those guys doing that kind of music. Um, I played in another band called Uttermost for about five years, which was similar to the style of Incubus. Uh, that's what we were mm-hmm. listening to back then. And, you know, POD was one of our big influences back then as well. So we were writing in a way that was um, kind of that style, but more unique to ourselves and um, got to really shape myself in that as well. Uh, Veronica sang, she grew up singing and mm-hmm. she did a lot of uh, like Broadway tunes, competitions. Um, she would sing at a lot of the uh, like the fair rodeo days, things like that. And um, so she grew up in that element of, of singing those that style. She didn't learn how to play bass until she started with White Collar Sideshow. So that's okay. what was interesting about her. She's always been a singer and ironically never sang on her first couple albums, but played bass. Hmm. And, uh, and then I feel like her element and her vocal adding to uh, this new album has just been exceptional. Um, almost really the icing on the cake and an element that we've never had. So it, the reinvention of White Collar Sideshow with this project has been um, super good for us, I, I feel like, in a way that we've kind of found a new sound uh, and we're adding sure. things that we've never done before. So stretching us. Cool. That's excellent. And are you both from Arkansas originally? Yeah, we're both. Arkansas, born and raised, man. Go Hogs. Awesome. There you go. So how do you guys meet? We met uh, We met and got married three months later, basically. <laughs> I, was, um, wow. I was fresh off drugs and found the good Lord in my life through life-changing uh, process. Met Veronica. We got married. And we never knew this would become our life. I think she knew that I played drums, but she didn't know like how involved i was in music Um, and i didn't know (laughs) how involved she was in music either you know when we first met i worked in a factory and uh and did that she we ended up working for the same music company we left i left that factory through veronica pushing me to do something different and uh, she she managed the online version of a music store called sigler music which was really awesome and uh, and i did the storefront so i sold drums there for five years so we had a drum oh, shop. Wow. It was really awesome. And then through that process, we started White Collar Sideshow. Mm. And so what prompted you to uh, like sell everything? You mentioned you sold your house and everything and just pull it on the road. I mean, what was the yeah, I felt like, catalyst for that? I feel like um, for the time, I had been writing our first album for about three years and uh, or EP, if you want to call it that, and the film and all those things. And um, we felt like it was a calling, you know, it was something that we needed to do because a lot of our performances are really, you know, they're really spooky, they're weird, they're strange, but at the same time, they are uh, something where we've tried to put a twist on the end that causes people to think about life in general and 
most of those are our own personal stories and personal testimonies of things we've struggled with that we write into the films and write into the music. And so I was writing these ideas. Veronica thought I was absolutely crazy. <laughs> we had a missionary that came and spoke at our church that really challenged us with, you know, if your life was a bumper sticker, what would it read? And at the time, ours sure. was American Dreamers. And, you know, we had a four-bedroom house. We had three cars. You know, our future goals were a couple Harleys, Vegas. And uh, and so, you know, it cruises, like all these different things that we felt like we would come home from work and just look at each other. And we felt like we were zombies. And so um, mm. this missionary challenged, like, someone like Veronica, who's really good at business, to go, look, there's all these creative people out here. But there's no one here that's doing the business part of this and that's helping push dreams along. So Veronica called sure. me one day and, and said, look, I feel like um, God told me to jump today. I feel like I'm going to leave my job. Let's sell everything we own. Let's figure out how to get out of debt. And let's figure out to, how to take these dreams on the road. And at that time, I was like, woman, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, that's that's a jump that, you know, and at the time, too, we were in our 30s. So... Uh, right. So it's something that you might think might be too late in life to do instead of doing something when you're young, younger. And now right. we've been. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's ever too late. Yeah, I don't either. I, and also now even, you know, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm 44. Um, so still to be doing this for 13 years has been um, mm. I never thought we'd be doing this with our life in general. Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride of super highs, super lows, ups, downs, twists, turns, loop-de-loos. You know, there's so mm -hmm. much in a musical world where um, we just keep trucking along and keep working hard at it, and our failures are extreme failures. You know, also learning from those mistakes keep pushing us to help other people realize that they're not alone on the planet. And uh, right, absolutely. I feel like that's what good art should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm not that much further behind you. I'm only a couple of years <laughs> younger. Ah, so. yeah, baby. We're in this. So, um that's that's awesome to hear. Um so going back, I mean, uh you you mentioned you sold everything, but you you're actually listed on your Facebook page as a non-profit. So, are you are you making a living is it, is it is the uh the whole act and and the, you know, touring uh, paying for itself and giving you a livable wage or like, how does that work? Yeah, we're able to survive. You know, we, we are a nonprofit. We, um, we have not charged guarantees or, mm -hmm. you know, really contracts for our performances. Now, you know, you might have your door splits and things like that at clubs. Um, but we genuinely live off people's love donations, uh, monthly support. If we can, we have a few people in our life that are dedicated to seeing us, uh, move forward. And, um, so mm -hmm. we're able to survive and there's, uh, ultimately that's what we do. We survive doing what we love to do and selling everything that we own kind of helps us do that because, you know, I don't have a house payment, you know, sure. basically we have our gas payment, we have our insurance, you know, there's the few bills that we have living on the road. And if we can get those things covered, then we're able to go from town to town and place to place, um, living off of people's love. And ultimately, at the end of the night, we'll, we'll just say, Hey, if you've seen something that has inspired you, or if you've seen something that you've never seen before, or have been encouraged by, or just have, if you've had a good time watching our performance, help us get to the next town, uh, put some, 
if you wouldn't mind putting some funds in our tip jar, this is how we live. It's off people's love. It's off people's donations. And this is how we make it to the next place. So it really is kind of um, an old hippie way or grassroots way of Mm. doing it. But it's the way we've always done it. And we've been doing it this way ever since. And it doesn't mean we'll do that forever. I don't know the answer to that. But up until this point, this is how we've done it. And uh, and we just work hard doing it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, and you recently signed to a record label. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we just... How, I mean, how how's that going to factor into, you know... Uh, you know, being a nonprofit and then you, you're obviously going to have some people working for you in some ways. So if you could talk to that a bit. Right. I, I don't know how that ultimately affects our nonprofit status um, as at, at this time. Curtain Call mm-hmm. Records is the record label that we've signed with. And they are pretty much doing a lot of our radio promotions, um, okay. distributions, things like that. Um, they This is our first time to ever team up with a label and do something like that up until this point we've always been an independent act and um and so they're helping us do things on a perspective that we have not been able to really push as an indie band um so mm-hmm. they're helping us do a lot of distri- online the online distribution um the streaming the the radios the festivals things like that that we you know that are harder to get into as an independent artist so sure um you know, I'm not quite sure how that factors into finances or and things like that as of now, but it is good to have some teammates on your side. Um, it is Absolutely. it's super cool to have people believing in in you and your art and what you're doing and get it and know. Mm-hmm. You know, something that was very cool about Curtain Call when we were talking on the phone was they have always seen us as unique and something that's different. And they work with a lot of radio stations and, you know, in a world where a lot of things can seem generic or music can kind of feel like it's a cheap imitation of something else. Um, they've seen something in us that is uh, completely different than that. So that's been encouraging to hear and has also helped build confidence. So I'm very thankful for Curtain Call coming into our life and um, and creating opportunities for us to, you know, have a platform to stand on and, and to share and help other people you know realize like hey maybe we can do something together yeah absolutely yeah so i i mean it just sounds like uh that opportunity came around because maybe uh you you saw the need as a couple to kind of have more help in the business side of it i I mean there's a lot of talk in in you know a lot of the diy musician things about building a team so it sounds like that was the conduit for building your team you know, that has you in there and, you know, you, you have them in your corner so they can go do all this groundwork for you. So yeah, that's really cool. I think that's a good way to put it. I, I know Veronica and I have had our noses to the grindstone on this for 13 years. I mean, we really, mm. especially my wife, you know, she does our management, our tour managing, our books, our bookings, our everything. And, um, and we have had people uh, behind us helping us push us, you know, it's not just the two of us. There are people in our lives that uh, we're super thankful for that are our family Mm -hmm. members that we love and consider them um, part of our white collar sideshow family and are could not be doing any of this without them. And at the same time, this with curtain call, um, it does feel like someone's coming in and doing a part 
like what you said in the corner that we haven't been able to really touch to come in sure. and, and do those things and really build a team and team is super important i mean it's uh, mm. you know out here on the road man it's easy to it can feel super alone like we're just out of sight out of mind or we're doing this you know not to say in vain but it can feel like that and uh, and so you really are depending on you know people to work as hard as you're working and um, mm. and actually adding to and it doesn't even mean that they have to work as hard as we work uh, but they're adding right, right. they're adding to what you're already doing and it's almost like salt and pepper and it feels it does feel good and at the same time you still want people to come out to the performances you still want to uh, mm. to have that kind of family as well and um, and I feel like that's probably one of the most challenging things that we have is audience attendance it's really like mm -hmm. you know trying to get people out of their homes off their phones and you know come on let's do let's support live music before it becomes a lost art sure yeah i mean i've said this before on the podcast you know i, I you know pe people shouldn't see um other bands and, and artists as their competition you know the the competition is like you said get getting people out of uh you know, like Fortnite, for instance, you know, my kid, my kids love Fortnite, but uh, there's some DJ called Marshmallow Head or something like that. And he did a live concert inside of Fortnite and he was selling those skins they put on the characters and he made millions of dollars on skins like a, a, a non-tangible object. Like right. <laughs> that's that's what mu like live musicians are really fighting. It's it's other stuff yeah so yeah i feel yeah, like I, it, I feel that totally at the end of the day you know even you know we're all local bands from somewhere like we're from fort smith arkansas mm -hmm. and we love being from that area and and i love our scene there and, I, and we there's a lot of great musicians there um and at the same time it is it's the local community that really brings people out so for us on the road we depend on the local artists who have that draw that we can build relationships with that we can sure. that we can um that we can really uh, build teams where it's not competition, mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because we're all right. trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to get our art out there. We're all trying to um, get our music heard. We're all trying to figure out how to draw people to see the things that we've created. And in a very selfish mindset, that's what it sounds like is selfishness. But when you work so hard at something, yeah. you do want those things to be heard. You want them to be listened to. And how do we do that as mm. as teammates even as bands where it's not just a competition where we're all trying to use each other to build and uh and i feel like that's important absolutely yeah I um a rising tide lifts all ships yeah. if you work together as a community then everyone benefits i think so sure that's cool um yeah going back to uh that the life on the road and being kind of isolated is a good tie-in actually because we met um you know, we were actually in the, uh, so we met at CD Baby, uh, DOA conference in Austin not, not too long ago. And, uh, and you, you set up, uh, we were in a Chris Robley, um, seminar and he was talking about, um, you know, you want to follow your dreams, but you also want to make sure that your expectations aren't too high because it kind of crushes the soul. And, um, you, you'd set, you actually stood up and started talking about mental health. And, um, I wondered how much of that, you know, kind of contributes to the music and how much of, you know, if you could talk a bit about, you know, what life on the road is like and what you have to kind of be aware of, I guess. Yeah. Oh man. I, 
mental health has been something that I have obviously struggled with my whole life. <laughs> um, and especially with music, because music, in a way, can become a super... Here's what I'm trying... I guess what I'm trying to say is, listen to my music, listen... We need more t-shirt sales. We need more downloads. We need more streams. We need our merch to sell. We need um, bigger tours. We need more managers. We need bigger shows. Uh, we need to be doing this 400 dates out of 300 a year. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. how, how do mm -hmm. we, how, that, that's, and I'm not trying to say that's not what you're supposed to be doing, but I'm saying in, in a world where it feels so selfish that you mm. almost forget that your identity is wrapped up in your art. And I feel like for me mentally, it's personal when, um, for instance, we were talking to a manager who manages a lot of huge artists and, um, and you know, he, at the end of the day, he's like, I love what you guys do. I love what you guys do, but you know, you're not charging for shows. You're not doing this. You, you're doing something completely different from an industry standard. My record labels only see you as a gimmick. They don't see the longevity in what you're doing. And as a businessman, I need to move on. And, you know, after, I think when he told me that it was after about nine years, we'd been on the road and it was just like, man, what, like my whole life crashed after that, because this was one of those moments where, you know, you're playing a club and people come up to you and they say, man, one day the one guy is going to come in and see what you do and know what to do with you. And for me, that was that moment. And this was the one guy, and and uh, when he it was devastating when he was like, I need to move on, and um and I just became you know very suicidal, um, depressed, like wow, mm -hmm. what am I really doing here? If if this is the guy that knows what to do with you, and he walks out of the room, and so mm -hmm. right, so where where are you mentally when those kinds of things happen? Well, I had to go back and reevaluate and go, man. What am I really in music for? Am I in this for success? Am I in this for fame? What am I really doing? Um, if this is my life and it ends because somebody like this walks out of it. And so I've started to realize, especially as I'm getting older, that I've had to define success in a different way. Uh, survival, being able to survive and do this for 13 years is super successful to me. And, um, and to be able to keep doing it has been an unbelievable experience. And I was overlooking that the people that we've touched and that we've reached through our art, through our music is, um, and helped them realize, wow, you're not alone on the planet. Like we all struggle with things. We all mm -hmm. fall short of perfection. We have our addictions. We have our, um, our super failures, our super lows. Um, so through that process it's exactly what you've said simon i i write through that process i write our films through that i write music that i'm not trying to help people identify with i'm writing from a personal perspective of my own insanity <laughs> of, of, yeah. of dealing with this but at the same time i'm starting to realize especially with this new album that more and more people are going wow that's me that's me that's in this picture and ultimately mm. it's all of us human beings it's just being honest with where we are mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Those are four basic roots that I feel mm -hmm. like have to be watered. And if they're not being watered and they're drying out, then yeah, we are definitely falling apart mentally. 
um, and emotionally. But you know what? Through this process, I've started going to uh, groups, 12-step programs. I've started going to um, a therapist that has been a life changer for me. And it's helped me realize that there is more than having our, our personal identity wrapped up in our art. You are more than that as a human being. You are, for me, I see it, I call it fruit of the spirit. You know, biblically, that's what I like to say. Um, the good Lord has changed my life, and I want to be remembered for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, I want to be remembered for those things more than I just want to be remembered for my music or my art. And um, and that's a super big challenge in a selfish world of music where you want everybody to love what you do and you, mm -hmm. you remember the haters more than you remember the lovers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, mentally, I feel like it's super important for any artist that, um, that's been doing this for a long time. Um, and that session at, at CD Baby, um, that session was the best session I have ever been to at any conference because that struggle is very real, uh, especially mm. for older artists like myself and especially for artists who are still doing it even past my age to realize, hey, I'm still doing it. That's inspiration. That's inspiration to yep. me. Um, and it's encouraging to me that, wow, you know what? We could keep doing this. So absolutely, it, it was a, that, that man, that should be at every conference, that seminar. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Th thank you so much for sharing that. That, that was, uh, that was awesome. Um, I wonder if you, uh, have you read Ari Herstan's book? at all uh, making it in the new music industry. He's, he's talked at CD baby conferences before. Um, just the reason I bring that up is just because like you said, uh, his whole thing is defining success. Like it's never going to be that one guy in the room, you know, that, that fixes everything and makes you this huge star. It's whatever you define it as. So I think that's really important to bring up because yeah, if, if you, if you think that, you know, American Idol, 10 minutes of fame is going to give you millions of fans. And, you know, that's not, you know, that that's going to, you're going to fall short every single time. But if you say, all right, I can play music for a living and that's, that's what I'm doing. And I'm, you know, exactly what you said, you, you know, your music is people are seeing themselves in it. I mean, that is probably the ultimate because your, your emotions are tied up in that art and their people are connecting with it. I mean, that to me is, is success with, you know, music, art, anything really. It's just connecting with people on, on that kind of level. Um, Absolutely so, agree. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, and I have not read that book, but everything you just said, Simon, I, I could not agree. Highly recommend yeah, it. Could not agree more with. And, and it's true. Like we, we are the artists. It, it's almost to me mm -hmm. how God paints the picture. We're the human, his human art. And how we are describing that through our music, through the things that we do to help touch other people. You know, there is something to that that is way more meaningful. Now, you would talk about how, you know, a world might say success is what you're doing financially, how many units that you're selling, all these things. And I totally get that. I mean, from a business perspective, of course, how many tickets you're selling and all those things. 
But at the end of the day, for me, for me personally, it's um, it's making sure I've got my spirituality, my focus and clarity on God, uh, my mental state in check, my emotional state in check, uh, my physical state. Because living on the road, it is it's about mm-hmm. eating right. It's about exercising. And that's something, you know, getting back in the saddle on this tour that we're real, realizing again. You know, we've worked out to this point. Um, it's challenging on the road to keep that kind of routine happening. So mm. that's that's something that we're figuring out again is, wow, when do we have time to exercise? When do we have time to eat right? When are, are we doing these things to um, to stay focused, to stay clear, and uh, so that we can do this for years and years and years? It all goes hand, hand in hand mm. where we, we have to be a well-oiled machine for our art and our music to be a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and I, I, I expect that's especially challenging for you personally because being a drummer and a vocalist at the same time, man, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that. I'm, I'm, you know, I can I, I can just about do one instrument. <laughs> it is a it's I, I had to rehearse for for almost a year mm. to be able to uh to do this show. Could there there's just so because you're relearning a whole performance basically. So it's definitely mm. um my wife's always like Take deep breaths. Get as much air as you can. Do this. Do that. So, um, so I'm. She's teaching me a lot of stuff vocally that I've never known because she is a vocalist, mm. and uh, and right. it's great. But at the same time, you know, as you're getting older as a drummer, it's definitely you. You have to stay in shape. You have to figure out, um, you know, I, am I, I don't need to be hurting myself. I need to be helping myself. Sure. And that goes hand in hand with your mental state as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just touching back on the CD baby conference, I mean, other than that one seminar, uh, what else did you get about the conference? I mean, what did you think of the whole thing? I thought the conference was awesome. Um, to me, I, I, it's not necessarily that we had learned anything absolutely new or what we should be doing better. I feel like it was confirmation that we're, we're doing everything on that, on the right track, because I felt like that that conference was for a lot of artists that were starting out. Um, mm-hmm. So it was hard to find people that I connected with that had been on the road for 20 years that I could learn from as far as that goes. Um, but it was confirmation that, hey, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And ultimately for me, I'm a creative. My wife is the business part of what we do. So a lot of those mm-hmm. seminars were above my head and I would get in there and they would start talking about all these things that need to be done. And I would become this monster of anxiety and going and i'll text my wife are we doing this are we doing this are we doing this and she goes get out of that seminar yes we're doing all those <laughs> things you're making my life more difficult because you're texting me all these things of course i'm doing all this stuff <laughs> so um That's but funny. i feel like that that conference i've recommended that conference to a, a, a few friends back home in fort smith and uh, i feel like it's important for artists who are not exactly living the way that we live because we're living it and breathing it right now. And that transition mm-hmm. is is a difficult one to move into if you're working full-time jobs and you have bills and you have all those things to move into a full-time um, transition of living on the road is, is a different animal. And so mm-hmm. we've had to do all of those things because of how we live. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that, that conference, that should be recommended to not just artists starting out, but artists trying to figure out how I can do more or am I doing enough? 
Sure. I, I thought it was super supportive, you know, not just the the seminars, but like the musicians together. There were so many different genres and everyone was so positive. Um, but it, it it definitely gave you the sense that, you know, whatever you want to do, whether it's touring, whether it's studio, whether it's YouTube, like there's a place for everyone and you can make a living doing it. You, you just have to get a plan together and yeah. and goals and, and you're good. And there's, there's something for everyone, I think, really. Yeah. I, which I, I thought was super, super good. Definitely agree. I feel like the community there was, you know, when you, mm. when you have a lot of artists together, it's, I, I didn't feel like it was competitive by any stretch. I feel like everybody was there was to sharpen iron with each other. Um, yeah. And I, I thought that was really uh, imp- obviously important for artists to see that, that we're all in this. And you're right. There is a place for everyone. And it is, it's, and it's not just figuring out a plan. So to say it's figuring out your plan. Like what is mm-hmm. it that you want to accomplish? Um, because to say, to make a living playing music, it's so broad. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So you've got to figure out the baby steps to get to that ultimate goal. And mm. I think that's something that we have learned along the way of living on the road, especially is, you know, baby steps are, are very important. And, and you have to celebrate the, uh, the little victories every day, whether it's, absolutely. wow, I mailed a CD off today to, wow, we got booked for a festival next year. You know, there's so many different little victories and little baby steps that we, because if we made the jump overnight, you have nothing to fall back on. And so, mm-hmm. and that's when your mental health can fall apart. And, um, and when, when you've gotten to a point and you fall face first back into this black hole, that's when it's like, how do I get out of this? And so baby yeah. steps are super important because you can always come back a couple baby steps and figure it out and go forward again. And, um. And I feel like that's what we've had to experience in many, many times in our life in this uh, mm. 3,000 times, 4,000 times in our life right, in, right. in this is relearning that process, relearning that process and trying to learn from our mistakes personally, trying to learn from our mistakes musically um, and as, as a whole, even as a husband and wife on the road, trying to be a team and build into each other and uh and not bite at each other because we're together 24 hours a day, you know, and right. really become one unit as, as opposed to a bunch of fingers. Mm-hmm. Sure thing. Yeah. I mean, normally what I, I ask at kind of towards the end is what would, you know, a bit the, one of the biggest setbacks or, you know, negative experiences um, have been and what have you learned from it? I mean, would you say that the, the uh, the music industry exec was one of them or is there something else that you really learned from that you thought was, that was a major event that I had to get over? Well, I think, um, I think that was one of those. I think also something that I've had to get over is, um, being on the road so long, you know, you become friends with a lot of different bands and watching your friends bands become successful watching your friends bands take off and get these big tours and watching your friends bands get all these things to not be envious and to not go, well, when's that going to happen to us? I feel like that's something too, where, um, where it's, where you can't measure your success by what other people are doing. You just, you have to keep those baby steps. I think that's something that's important. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, also of course it's, you know, it's the business world of music, 
because you can look around and see, you know, what you would think are a, a ton of artists that are doing very well, and there is, but at the same time, those guys are lottery tickets too, or those guys are like us. They've just been on the road for 11 years, and they're still building a, an audience, and they're still building into other people, and, um, and sometimes things hit or miss at different times in your life, um, and that's why you can't depend, to me, on those moments. You just have to keep mm. moving forward and you have to keep learning. You just have to keep being a part of the music community where um, you're building into other musicians. They're building into you. You're learning from each other's experiences. And you can't let the negative get you down to where you are not going to be a creative person. And I say all of those things and I struggle with all of those things. I mean, that's that's it's easy to, so to say, practice what you preach. Um that's the hardest part is doing exactly yeah. what you're saying. And, um, and for my mental health, that's why I have to go see a therapist, especially when I get off the road. The hard part about coming back home is becoming a civilian again. You know, you're on the road the whole time and you don't know how to be a human being and, and it's easy to fall apart. And I'm super guilty of that. I have hurt family and friends through this process that I've had to learn how to get back to being myself again and to forgive myself and to move forward. And, Ultimately, that's why I wrote this album. I didn't come here to die. I came here to live. And, uh, and I feel like that's, um, that's an important process through the musical world. And I know that a lot of people don't have that same experiences that we all have. We're all different. We're all different parts of industry. We're all different human beings. We all have different character. Um, but ultimately, I would hope that this would help someone out there that might identify with my brain. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so going positive though, what, what would be like something you consider a really big win that you said that kind of gave you the, the push to say, wow, I can actually do this. I think something that's given me, um, and Veronica both a victory is seeing the people in our life that are behind us, that are cheerleaders, that are, um, I don't want to say just believe in our art or believe in what we do, but just know us as human beings, know our struggles, know our failures, know that, mm. um, that we are made to create this art to, as an excuse, uh, to hang out with people as an excuse to mm -hmm. share stories, help other people realize that we're not alone and to do that excellently with what we have. Um, I think the victory is, um, is really seeing, we don't even really call a lot of our concerts concerts. We call them family reunions because it's the people that we've connected with on the road, the people that have built into us in order to see these things happen. Um, I believe it's a lot of our church family back home that gets what we do um, as obviously we're believers, we're Christians. Um, we love the Lord. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even be doing any of this. And so um, to see our style of music in a lot of these dark places um, really connect with people who are struggling, I feel like is a victory for us and, um, and helping people find a stepping stone to, uh, the same victory that has changed our life. Uh, the good Lord Jesus to go further in their life and maybe become the change they want to see on the planet. And I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of this too, Simon, uh, a lot of measuring success as a victory for us is going, you know what? Maybe we weren't made to do the arenas. Maybe we weren't made to do a lot of these things that people might view as ultimate success. Maybe our duty on this planet is to mentor the younger artists to help them 
see that if you do want to keep doing these things, um, maybe it's about the community in your van that you're living with. It's you guys on the stage. Mm -hmm. How do you interact with each other? How are you encouraging each other? How are you praying for each other? How are you building into each other so that you're a team and you're a family? Because those things show on a stage. And how does that work towards what you're passionate about and, um, and your ultimate goal of what music can be, not just for you, but how other people might take away something and have, find inspiration in that. So to say they bite the fruit that comes off that tree and they go and change the world. And I feel like mm -hmm. ultimately maybe that's what we're on the planet for is to really encourage other artists to go, you know, if you really want to do this for 13 years, the same as us. And I know bands have been doing it longer than that. If you, this is how we've kind of done it. This is the things that we've made mistakes with. This is what we've had to learn from. And we're still learning from. And, um, and let us build into you and pick our brains and, and do those kinds of things. And, uh, and, and I feel like that's an ultimate victory for us as well. Cool. That was a lot of rambling. Well, thank you. No, you're, you're good. The, the more, the more the merrier. Um, well, great. So, um, just wrapping it up, where can people, uh, you know, find you and your music and where, what, what events are happening? Let's see. We are on the road until Thanksgiving. If you go to whitecollarsideshow.com, uh, you can find, well, everything about us, our, our videos, our merch, our events, our tour, we are basically in the South. We, we've got, we're in Louisiana this weekend. We're in Florida coming up, Georgia, Kentucky, Ohio, Illinois, uh, excuse me, Indianapolis, um, West Virginia, uh, let's see, Tennessee, North Carolina. So we've got a lot of dates coming up before we head back before Thanksgiving. Um, but if you search White Collar Sideshow on Google, You'll find everything there is to know about us. Whitecollarsideshow.com is our website. And uh, and please interact with us. We answer all of our messages. We're still doing this grassroots. We still do everything ourselves on that end. And um, and I can't thank you enough for having us, Simon. I, I really appreciate no, you picking my brain. And it's a wonderful to see you again and to meet you at the CD Baby Conference. That was great. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. Um. So at the end of the uh, the podcast, I usually like to uh, play a piece of music. Um, what what track would you like me to play? I'd love to do I Didn't Come Here to Die. That will be what everyone hears. Well, thank you uh, once again. Um, yeah, uh, wish you continued success, and uh, hopefully we keep in touch. Yes, sir. And see how everything goes. I look forward to seeing you in the future, Simon. Thank you so much, man. Awesome. Thank you again. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks again to TD for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And make sure you check out White Collar Sideshow's social media to see if they're playing near you and definitely support them live. As always, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is White Collar Sideshow and I didn't come here to die. Let me ask you a question. A very serious question. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?
I'm talking about Forrest Smith.